This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. creepy music i know what you're thinking no this is not a new nf album actually i was just trying to make something that sounded a little bit spooky because today we're talking scary moments on the water we're reading an article from bassmaster magazine that gets a little bit graphic so just a heads up on that and really we were trying to just share our own experiences and remind everybody out there to be safe in the battle of man versus mother nature mother nature wins 99.5 times out of 100. So be smart, be safe. One real positive thing, today's episode and every episode moving forward is now proudly brought to you by Grizzly Coolers. Grizzlycoolers.com. Lola and I have had their stuff for a super long time, a big cooler that we've beaten the daylights out of, and it just works great. Specifically, we're excited to be brought to you by Kenai, which is a line of Grizzly Coolers specifically for fishing. Also, really quick announcement, head to our YouTube channel now, youtube.com backslash Tackle and Tacos, or just search Tackle and Tacos on YouTube. We just dropped our very first ever full-blown cooking video about pulled pork tacos. I walk you through the entire process from start to finish, how to trim the pulled pork, how to season it, how to make the tacos, all that stuff. So check that out. Positivity is worth the effort. All right, 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 here we go again, we are, uh, we're here in uh, lovely, scenic, big city, Strom, Wisconsin, uh, Sunday morning, we're watching the Bass Master Classic, uh, who are y'all voting for, who are you, not voting for, pulling for, who you want to see win this thing, mine is the top two right now, I would be super down with Gussie winning, because I just think he's a, just seems like such a cool dude. Seems like a chill feller. I like his Canadianity. He's very, very Canadian. Uh, and I like the fact that the spots he's been working on fishing have today, the third day, been like overtaken by other anglers who had earlier launch spots you know, in the boat draw. And then yesterday, the same thing happened. Austin Felix from Minnesota got in kind of, and you can't mark water. You know, like it's not like it's his, but other guys have been fishing his areas. And so he's having to like adjust on the fly and he's still fishing well. Having to bounce around a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. And he said, because he's he's going after only small jaws and on that lake, you got to have 18 inches or bigger to keep one. So they have to be big smallmouth. And then number two for me, for sure, is John Cox. I just think he's the coolest dude. Uh, I like his attitude at that. Like we were watching a second ago um, on the live stream here in the garage. 
and uh, he lost a fish, and he's just smiling ear to ear. He's fishing for $300,000, and he loses a fish, and he's smiling ear to ear. Like, that's a cool dude, man. Yeah, I think he's got one of the best personalities on the on the tour. Definitely, uh, definitely the guy I'm rooting for today. I hope he can pull it off. I think he's coming back from like nine, or not nine, but like six pounds down, so he's yeah. got... A lot of ground to make up. He's got some ground to make up. But if Gussie can't put five smallmouth in the boat, it's a, I mean, he's not going to. If he he can catch any size keeper smallmouth, five of them, it's over. Yeah, for sure. I would, you know, I'd bet the house on it, but, um, you never know. I guess that's that's fishing. Who do you want to win, Bird? I'm I'm with you guys. (laughs) Gussie and John Cox. Gussie because we call Gus our son, Gussie. Yeah. It's very cute. Yeah. That works out. (laughs) Uh, Another guy, I think he's fishing today. Yeah. That I'd really like to see, just just basically uh, based on adversity, and you know, like our whole thing here is positivity is worth the effort. But I feel like in this sucker's shoes, Brandon Card. You know about Brandon Card? He has that. Is it Bell's or Ball's palsy? Yeah, Bell's, Bell's palsy. Bell's palsy. Yeah. So like half of his face is like frozen. Yeah. Like my goodness. Like mm-hmm. if you go to Bassmaster.com and then click on the angler, he's got a totally normal picture he's smiling ear to ear Mm -hmm. and yet the other night when they had like the night of champions where he's standing with his wife and it's like his face is like half smile like man yeah that's rough dude i think that he was he's been fishing with an eye patch like oh yeah yeah so it's it's rough yeah Yeah, because that one side of his face can't blink so he has to be able to close his eyes so he puts with the eye like it's it's crazy um you you want to talk about positivity is worth the effort and i haven't heard him complain not once he's just fishing his butt off yeah. I mean, good Lord, talk about over. So, like, if he was able to make some kind of comeback and win it, that'd be pretty cool, man. Yep. Big shout out to that dude. Just having the, the, you know, as they call it, the intestinal fortitude. The dude's got guts. The dude's got some backbone, and I really, really respect that. So, it'd be cool to see him him take it home as well. So, here we are. Like I said, Sunday morning. Um, we're about to do another podcast. This one, I don't know how long it's going to be. I thought it'd be kind of a fun, sort of silly one. We're going to talk about today uh scary or unfun situations you've had while fishing so this is tackleandtacos.com um is our is our website the podcast is tackle and tacos a fishing podcast so we're going to talk about tacos we're going to talk about fishing um we just recorded an episode basically only about cooking we got into barbecue stuff because putting barbecue in a taco is just awesome it's just a it's just a very good idea uh we talked about um lola's like puerto rican seasoning sofrito which is really really tasty and how nate is going to use it like a deodorant in his truck on the way home <laughs> an aromatic an aromatic he's going to sort of just the end of the truck yeah, he's going to put in the defrost and let it sort of uh what are those glade things that like when they came out you plug them on your little air vent deal mm-hmm just stuff a sofrito cube in there and let it just let it just waft over you. I would you. not suggest that. Yeah, let it just waft over you. Um, but today we're going to talk about moments on the water that maybe haven't been fun. Or maybe not even just on the water. Because all three of us hunt. And I remember a few years ago I was bow hunting and it was right at dusk. And if you've ever, like they make calls for it. Um, and people talk about it, a buck growl. Not even like a wheeze snort, but a buck growl, which as I understand it, and I'm not one of the juries, so I don't consider myself like a, a deer expert, but as I understand it, basically the only creature in a certain group of woods that's going to do like a buck growl would be like the alpha, like the big dog, like, you know, whatever. And it was real close to dusk, and I'd seen a ton of bucks that day. It was right in the heart of the rut, and um, it was getting kind of dark and only... If you ever said, if you bow hunted and you've ever said that either going back to your truck in pitch black or walking to the stand in pitch black, you never felt a little scared, you are a liar. Mm-hmm. I, man, I remember a couple of years ago, I was walking out to the stand in the pitch in the pitch black of the morning and I almost stepped on a turkey that for whatever reason was, I guess, roosted, you'd say, but on the ground. I mean, they roost if they're not in a tree, but he's just sitting on the ground, like not like hurt and just sitting there. And I almost stepped on it. And when it hopped up, I mean, legitimately... Like, a little bit of pee might have come out. Like, I'm talking about I was terrified, yeah, like, that's, scared. That's a scary situation. I've yeah, had that dude. happen with a turkey before. Never in the middle of the night or yeah. morning, I guess, darkness. Oh, uh, the darkness made it so yeah, much worse because it was a monster. Yeah. When, it I, when it happened turkey. to me, I was, like, I don't know, I was probably 12 years old. I was out <laughs> pheasant hunting. <laughs> oh, gosh. And I jumped, over, I jumped over a down log and, like, right where I landed, landed was right turkey. next to a turkey. And no. he got up and took off. Scared the bejesus. Oh my gosh! Oh, I mean, sure. they call them thunder chickens for yeah. a reason. They're yeah, so it, loud. It definitely sounds like thunder when they take <laughs> yeah. off. It's it's crazy, but yeah. I uh, I have absolutely zero fear 
when I used to live in Illinois hunting in Mercer County, as far as like when I actually stop and use my brain, not just like feeling, because I'm not worried about coyotes at all. Like they're not going to do anything, you know, even though you hear them howling and whatever, like they're just ugly mangy dogs that whatever, like I shoot with a bow for funsies. Um, but here in Wisconsin now, we're in like a different ball game because they're not many, they're, they're rare around this area, but there are stories of wolves, there's stories of mountain lions, and there's for certain bears. So now when I walk to the stand in the dark, it's like I could actually be different. I could actually be eaten at any moment. So it's a little, yeah, it's a little different <laughs> versus Illinois. But um, yeah, we just wanted to talk about things, maybe in uh, hunting, fishing, whatever that are maybe not how you wanted them to go. And this, a sort of precursor to the podcast, to today's podcast, this was sort of plopped in my brain by an article I just read. Uh, on Bassmaster.com about an angler, Clifford Perch, Cliff Perch. Um, and what a perfect name yeah. for a fisherman, yeah. right? Perch. perch. Oh, I, I, yeah. Okay. Come yeah. on. Yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not spelled, spelled that perch. way. But. It's spelled P-I-R-C-H. And it's funny, Cliff Perch is a tough one for me because I really like him as a dude. When I see him talk in interviews and stuff, he just seems like a, he seems John Cox-ish, like just friendly, happy, you know, like a nice dude. But he also wears visors. And I just hate. He, can't get behind he wears that. them well, though. Like, he yeah, I mean, really he rocks it. them. Like, he does the hair out the top. He of definitely it looks like a college like, football coach. Yeah, yeah, like with the like hair. A, but I'm like, dude, Bob so Stoops or whatever. Yeah, yeah. well, it's a lot of college. Yeah. Uh, Lane Kiffin, a lot of dudes wear that. And I'm like, dude, stop wearing a visor. It looks like a hat that like never finished being made. Like, <laughs> don't wear that on your head. Like, there's Such a really passion behind. There's that. a really dope podcast that I like. Uh, shout out! I'm sure he'll never hear this, but. Uh, Hella Bass podcast. Um, it's like a live one. I, I'm 99% sure homie's from Minnesota. And it's just a really raw, honest podcast. Like I, I like that he, he has like comments come in and he responds to them on the air and whatever. And I really like that dude's vibe overall. Mm-hmm. Um, but he wears a visor all the time. And I'm like, dude, I would like you so much more if you actually put a hat on or took a hat off. Don't be in the middle somewhere. That's what a visor is. A visor is, do I want to wear a hat? I don't know. Do I not want to wear a hat? I don't know. Pfft. I know. It's a happy medium. Visor. Quit like what, what if I took a beanie and cut the top off and just put it on my head? Well, they have those for girls to wear a ponytail through. Maybe that's another reason why I don't like it. Because <laughs> like you're, you're, you're a grown man. You're a professional fisherman. You're wearing a ponytail beanie. You know what I'm saying? It gets you like a, like a headband like for yeah. the early morning runs. Well, a headband. Yeah, that's a headband. basically, yeah. 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 But nope, you got a visor on it. I'll put a Carhartt logo on it though or something. We'll, we'll stitch one in and then. On a visor? Yeah. No, 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 no. Oh, on a headband. On a headband, yeah. yeah. Or like the dudes like Trevor Lawrence who are like the kind of headband for keeping their hair back when yeah. they're playing football because you still got to be pretty at the same time. That dude's got a gun though. Good Lord, that boy can throw a football. Anyway, um, so I read the story about Cliff Perch and like, you know, we're all anglers. We all love fishing. We all read stuff on like, you know, we get Bassmaster Magazine and, and whatever else. And this article is so bat crap crazy. It's insane. I could not believe it. Like I'm reading this article. I'm like, this cannot be real. <laughs> and then I find out that it happened in our backyard. We are, how far are we from lacrosse, Lola? Hour 15. Uh, yeah, under an hour and a half for yeah. sure. Um, north of lacrosse, which is right on the river. What pool is that? Uh, I think it's like seven, eight. eight? Okay. Yeah, it's a super popular pool for, for derbies. And it's a really funny pool too because there is a boatload of uh, sandbars that come out and change with the current and whatever. And so it seems like every major tournament there, a couple dudes get so deep up in a sandbar because they were on pad at 70 and the water comes up from 10 feet to two inches and a heartbeat and they're and just get stuck on a sandbar and got to get like airboated out and it costs five hundred dollars or yeah, something crazy, crazy nonsense some of, the, some of the airboat guys said they charge anywhere from five to five hundred dollars just to yep pull a guy off a sandbar it's, Incre- yeah, it's incredible crazy. but i mean i can't be mad at you for capitalizing oh, on somebody yeah. being stupid but sure. um <laughs> it's very like floridian sort of in lacrosse um just in the way of like a lot of pads and a lot of weed and a lot of top water in the summer and so last year um bassmaster the elite series had a derby um in lacrosse it was in august, august and yeah. we were going to go to it uh, myself and my family and for whatever reason i mean just go to it not to fish it obviously uh i mean i probably would have won right you know um that's not true you are a river rat a river. river i just stay yes. in the river all day long uh, i know every bend every turn i have every rock named and um so I read this article from the lacrosse derby about Cliff Perch, which I'm, this is going to sound lame and 
please stick with us. I'm going to read through this whole article real quick, which might sound stupid, but it's so engaging and so bananas that it's sort of like the preface to the podcast. And we're going to talk about some of the things we've run into on the water that maybe our stories fun. are going to sound so lame next to this. Yeah. Nothing is yeah, going to, nothing's yeah, going to top this. For sure. Nothing's going to top this. So here, I'm just going to read it. Um, this was written by Mike Sukhan, Suchan, S-U-C-H-A-N. A really good writing, sir. So here we go. Knoxville, Tennessee. This is where he's writing it from. He's recapping the story at the classic this year. I can't believe it took this long for this story to get out. This is so nuts. August 25th, 2022 is the day Cliff Perch will never forget. Dash, a man died on his boat. Perch 47 of Payson, Arizona was hoping to make the cut on day two of the season ending elite tournament on the Mississippi river. When his afternoon turned dreadful, a man, this is so crazy. This is so crazy. I can see it, but it also doesn't seem real. A man walked into the water and pursued his boat, and Perch soon discerned that something was terribly wrong. At first, he fled the apparent threat, but it turned into a life-saving attempt. The incident bothered Perch, who became somewhat shaken, retelling the horrific details. It was crazy, he said. It's definitely a story you couldn't make up. At first, Perch thought the man waiting towards him was perhaps simply curious about his wrapped boat, or he thought maybe he was going for a swim. He said he went on high alert when the man just kept on coming at him and his marshal. I said, hey man, how you doing? And he didn't answer, Perch said. Adding the man's odd smile made him wonder if he was mentally ill or on drugs. So this is already weird. No, thank you. Yeah. I had just caught a big one, and I kind of got excited about my fishing turning around. I figured out something that I was missing, Perch said. Perch had hopes of climbing from his day one spot of 69th to solidify his berth into the Academy Sports and Outdoors Bassmaster Classic. His attention to fishing was diverted as the man cut the distance from 60 feet to about 20 feet. Mm -mm. Hey, man, how's the swimming? Perch asked. He just looked at me and said, it's nice. A level tone and a weird smile. He never lost eye contact, and he's, wa- he's wading through matted grass. As the man closed in on the back corner of his boat, Perch picked up the speed on his trolling motor. Hey, man, you okay? Perch asked again to gauge the guy's motives. Then he kind of lunged toward us, and I outran him on my trolling motor. The man began swimming after the boat and followed for a good stretch before finally stopping. Perch figured the man had tired out, but then he went underwater for maybe 30 seconds before resurfacing with only his eyes above the water. Jeez no, Louise. thank like, you. Like, are you seeing yeah. this in your heads? Yes. Yeah, this is so crazy. <laughs> this, is, this seems like something nuts. out of a horror movie. This yeah. doesn't seem real. His nose is underwater and he's still just looking at me, Perch said. So his nose and mouth are underwater, and he's locked eyes with this dude on a boat about 30 feet away from him, or however far the distance was he put it's when like he sped that, up his trolling like motor. That menacing, like, gator. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Like, Ew. Yeah, like eyes on top of the head, on top of the water. Nope. So he's, his nose is underwater. He's just looking at me. He wasn't flailing. He wasn't struggling, Perch said. And then he went under again. I go, I hope that guy's all right. Oh, man, I don't know what's going on, but I better go back. What a good dude. I mean, honestly. What a good human being. I'd be like, like this Bye. dude is something's wrong. <laughs> you know something's scary. wrong, yeah. but you also know he's a human being and, yes. he's, and his life has value. Right. You know? And I, right. I firmly believe every life has value. No matter how goofed up, twisted up, you know what I'm saying? Like, not to get all preachy, but I believe in Jesus and I believe that Jesus gave us a chance for everybody to have value. You might be a knucklehead. You might be a doofus, but you got a purpose somewhere inside yep. of you. You got a purpose somewhere. And this dude's like getting chased by the super creepy cat. And he's like, but I better go back. I troll back to him. He's underwater. I can look down and see the top of his head. I can see his hair waving in the current. Oh my I'll gosh. never forget it. After the ordeal, Perch's marshal confirmed his, suspicion, uh, his suspicions, I'm sorry, saying the man had picked up a rock before starting the pursuit. Oh my gosh. Perch was understandably apprehensive about even trying to save him. I felt like it was one of those horror movie moments where I had to decide whether I was going to reach down and grab him or if he's just going to reach up and grab me or stab me, he said. I had no idea what the guy was up to. Perch said he knew he had to offer assistance. Wow. He grabbed the man and realized it was dire as there was foam around his mouth. (gasps) And in drowning, water can mix with lung mucus and air and produce a foam around your mouth. Perch attempted to pull the man onto his boat as his marshal called 911. I'm trying to rouse him. I got him about halfway up on the back deck. I'm pounding on his back. Hey, hey, said Perch, who was, uh, who through the 911, 911 dispatcher was told to turn him on his back. I flip him on his back and I look down. His guts were coming all out of his stomach, Perch said. Mm -mm. Oh my gosh. 
I don't I don't understand how the story keeps getting crazier. I like, know. It's absolutely. Not, he absolutely had a nuts. big zipper surgery on his belly. It looked awful. My back deck looked like a war zone. After giving their coordinates, Perch said the dispatcher asked them to meet authorities at a nearby dock. Once there, the paramedics jumped on his boat and began working on the man. It's not looking good. He's probably dead, Perch said. The guy just died on my boat. I don't think he actually drowned. I think his heart blew up or there was a drug overdose. I never actually heard what happened. Perch was shaken as he told police the story. He was then asked to return to the scene to provide particulars for their reports. They asked if his cameras had captured the event and about 10 other things that he said he didn't really want to get into. Perch had already informed the tournament officials of a situation and that he would miss the weigh-in. Can you imagine calling the tournament director and being like, hey, man, can I weigh in the fish that I have for this derby? Uh, dude started chasing my boat on foot in the water. Then he kind of drowned. And then when I pulled him on the boat, his guts fell out of his stomach. <laughs> oh, my you know, God. Like, what, what, is, yeah. what does the tournament director say on the other end of that? Like, I'm sorry, what would you say? Right. This is, I mean, this is insane. Um, he told me he's going to miss the weigh-in. When released by police, Perch went to a car wash to clean his boats, and the day's events were burned into his mind. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I would think so. Trying to put the ordeal into context, Perch later contacted police, who told him they were familiar with that man. He had several confrontations in lacrosse. Perch then found out that his intuition was correct, that he was in danger. The wound on his belly, the officer said, he attacked a cop in Chicago and tried to ga- uh, gouge his eyes out, and the <gasps> cop shot him. Oh, my gosh. He got shot, and whatever they did to put him back together in surgery was all coming apart, Perch said. The cop said, you were right to be uh, suspicious because he was going to attack you. That led Perch to wonder why the man wasn't in jail and much more. Um, He ended up finishing 18th in the 2019 Classic. He's among the top 11 anglers who came back to the elite this year. He won the U.S. Open three times. Crazy. Wow. But that's... Golly, that's such an just um, just a mind blowing story. It's the like, weirdest yeah, story I've like ever absolutely, heard. Absolutely, absolutely crazy. And I was kind of like disappointed that it happened in Wisconsin. <laughs> you know, like I love Wisconsin so much. <laughs> and while I don't think, I do not believe that any of our stories are going to top that. I've never had a man attack me on the water. Nate and I have almost gotten in fights in yep. tournaments um, where dudes full blown cut you off. And I know that communication is the key. And maybe the best communication isn't, hey, man, we're going to have a problem here, which I think is what we said to those guys <laughs> when they cut us off twice. But we were communicating. Yeah, no, there was, there was definitely words spoken there. Yeah, but I mean, it wasn't scary. Yeah. I wasn't afraid. No. Um, there's like the story of uh, Keith Poche and Ish Monroe, which I got more clarity on. I looked it up. So a lot of people know about the story where um, Ish Monroe boarded Keith Poche's boat over the bow and punched him in the face. Although now I've heard that, I don't know if it's true whether he punched him in the face or not, but he boarded his boat to basically fight him. And I was like, man, Ish Monroe, I really like Ish as a fisherman. Like that dude is about as good at frogging and flipping as they come. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's a freak, super smart dude, really articulate. Um, but when I heard that, I was like, dude, that's lame. What are you doing? You don't be, don't be attacking people on the water. What are you doing? So do you know the backstory on that? They were in a lock. Yeah, in, in, in one of the Florida locks. Yeah, the Florida locks. can only hold like 15 Can't hold a boats. lot. And yeah, Poche so came in on pad. Poche came in on pad to get in because he was late getting into the lock. And when he tried to back it down, his boat hit Ish's boat. Like the front, like, like cracked it. Like right. not broke the boat. But I mean, he hit it like pretty yeah. hard hit it. Um, you know, crazy things happen on the water. Nothing like this. I've never been pursued by a dude who Mm-mm. all that craziness. I mean, man, like legitimately, I feel so bad for Cliff Perch that that's something he gets to like re-see when he closes his eyes. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's how your your season is ending on last term of the year, yeah, mm-hmm. and that's you don't it. Get away in, you don't yeah. do anything. And I do wonder too, like, where's the logistics in that? Like, you'd think the tournament director would be like. We got to make an exception here. You can weigh in your fish or even weigh them on a scale right now, like a certified scale with your uh, marshal or whatever. The only thing I think they would probably do is maybe, like, if there was a competitor near him, he could maybe bring bring Mm. his fish Mm -hmm. in. But even that that, that sucks so, too, because then he he loses out all this time, you know, because I don't think he had five in the well. But anyway, crazy. And yeah. again, huge, huge shout outs and propers to, to Cliff Perch yeah, for it's definitely worth the effort, whether you're knowing not this dude is not, anything. not all there and goes back. Cause he's not just going to let this dude like drown. Yeah. You because know? can you imagine if he like heard about 
him later on, like yep. this man drowned and he didn't do anything. Didn't do anything. That guilt, yeah. like that on would eat him alive. Weirdness. That would be terrible. Yeah. Golly, so, so nice. It's like he did the right thing, but scary. So Nate has a couple, I know, a couple good stories. When I first met Nate, he and I uh, became buddies working at Gainer Mountain, RIP, uh, across the board. <laughs> um, working there, I was the apparel manager and then the fishing manager. And then Nate was the firearms manager. We became buddies there. And when he and I first met, he had a very small bass boat at the time. It was a rad little boat, though. It was called a Jason. That was the brand. If you're not familiar with that, I'm not surprised. Yeah, it's yeah. Not I think a, they were made in Tennessee for a few years, but it was it was a really cool little little fiberglass bass yeah, boat. Fifteen I think feet, fifteen foot. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was an '89, I believe, or something like that. So okay. it was an it was an old you know old little fifteen yeah. foot uh, fiberglass bass boat had a ninety horse mercury on it. So it wasn't it wasn't the quickest little thing, but it. it Got us on the water, got us fishing. So yeah, and the cool thing about the Jason was that you could just put it in the back seat of the car and then <laughs> yeah. drive to the ramp, <laughs> pick it up, put it in the water. You know, it's, it's like the it's like that boat that Gus has in the bathtub that he plays oh, with. Yeah. It's a near that size. Mm. Deck was so small, yeah. super rad little boat. But tell us the story about when you first were figuring out how to fish on the river, um, and if. People who are listening to this, if you've never fished in a, a body of water um, that has locks. Locks are basically like on the Mississippi, they're along the dams, which divide the separate pools. And what they do is there's a army corps of engineers, what's called a lock master. You go into the lock, they shut the huge giant, the sides of a house gate behind you. And then they can actually adjust the water level. So from let's say the pool 14, you're locking up from pool 13. Let's say that pool 14 is four feet higher. They literally raise the entire lock four feet high so that it's flush with 14 they open the doors you drive out they lock it back down and then it's it's a really pretty neat yeah yeah process it's 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 a it's all set up for the for the barge system so how they how they push the barges up and down the river so they'll you know lock a a couple barge you know sections through and then lock the lock the main boat through and uh you know that's how they navigate the water but you you can you know you can do it in your bass boat but it's it's a I guess the first few times you do it, it's kind of uh, it's kind of sketchy, kind of menacing, and and the story Jordan's referring to is the very first time I was in my 15 foot bass boat, and uh, I've always heard stories about how how good the fishing is on pool 13, and I was yeah. I was really really green at tournament bass fishing and wanted to wanted to explore that that pool, get up there. So I put in on 13. I ran probably. Uh, five or six miles uh, up to the lock, and uh, I'm I'm gonna lock through by myself for the first time in this boat. And one and thing was, to consider too is that each pool, as odd as this might sound, like it might even sound real, but each pool on the Mississippi River, which you know, pool could be translated to section. You know, it starts off at one. I don't know what it is by the time it hits the the Gulf, um, but they're all section. But each pool is almost like its own little ecosystem. Yeah, weather yeah. can be different. Waves can be different. Um, water clarity can be totally different. Water temperature can be different. So when you go from one pool to the next, it's really like going from one totally different lake to a different lake. I mean, it's it, they can be completely different yeah, creatures. That's for sure. They can definitely be be night and night and day difference. But uh, yeah. So I decide to to lock up for the first time and explore this pool that I've never never seen before uh well i'd seen it i put in up there a couple times but uh not not too experienced so i go in the lock and uh i get i get put in the lock and the lock master comes out and he's like hey you know it's uh you know it's pretty rough uh out there and i was like oh well yeah i didn't i didn't really know but uh you know i'll go i'll go check it out you know all the times i've ever locked up or down i've never had a lock master talk to me yeah so yeah he not like as, that, as as the water's raising he comes yeah. down and and he's he's kind of let me know about the the current situation up there, and uh, I was like, you know, I didn't really think much of it. And were you, you by know, yourself? I was, yeah, okay. I was by myself, and I was committed to like exploring You're this part of. You're like, river. it's yeah, fine. So I'm going doing to this. I was like, yeah. yeah, no, it's it's all good. So uh, so we get we get the water raised. You know, the gate gate starts open, buzzer goes off, and uh, I go and I I kind of idle. You got to idle out of the lock, so yeah. I idle out of the lock, and then uh, I take off, and I was probably. Uh, I don't know. I was probably 200 yards away from the actual lock and the waves started picking up and there's like this big rock stretch on this, on the upper end, or I guess it'd be the lower end of pool 13. There's this big rock stretch with a big, I think people call it like the bull nose or something like that, but it's a big, 
big like rock jetty, but it, it blocks a lot of wind. But as soon as I got to get the past it. as soon as I got past that, the waves just like overtook my boat. And oh my I, gosh. All I, 15 feet. Yeah, all 15 foot of this this little yeah. boat. And I'm running like 35 miles an hour and I just start to get thrown around. <laughs> no, by, thank you. By the time I took like three waves over yeah. the bow of my boat, I, yeah. I turned around and went straight back. Yeah. Like it was it was definitely <laughs> not worth it. It was, gosh, it was so that's crazy. so scary. Yeah, it, was, it was nuts. But yeah, then I locked back down and just... Just did the guy come there. and talk I was, I was to you? Yeah, the lockmaster said, yeah, he said, said, I, he told said I told you, stupid. <laughs> he said that didn't last long. I <laughs> no, said, he did no. not. Yeah, he did. Oh, yeah. damn. Ouch. Oh. I said, yeah, you were uh, you were right. It's pretty rough up there. So Shaken. That was that was it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was my that was my experience. I, I had that boat. It was the very first boat I ever had. I had the boat for two years, I think, two fishing seasons. So it had to have been... I think it had to have been the second season that I had it. So I was a little bit experienced with the boat, sure. but not not at all experienced with anything, you know, remotely close to locking or, or you know, driving navigating really the river. Waters. Yeah. yeah. Like it was it was not a great decision, but <laughs> But you did it. I but did, you did it. it. Yeah. You did it. Yeah. All right, Lola, what you got? Oh my gosh. I can't follow up with I did hit, hit us with that one. It's not a very long story, no. hit us with that one where I made a really good choice and you didn't think it was a very good choice. Because it wasn't a very good choice. I don't know. I think it was. Uh, it could I guess I didn't even make the choice. Anyway, go. I'm not even talking to anything. <laughs> Can you hear me now? Yeah. Thank you. Um, I don't... We just decided to go fishing one day. Yeah. On the Mississippi by our house. Yeah, we used to live in Port Byron, Illinois, which is on Pool 14. And the the launch was, what, a quarter mile from our house? It was awesome. You just went down the hill and you're in it. Yeah, it was right there. To our left... It was blue skies, sunny, yeah. beautiful. I mean, it yeah. was a warm day. It was really nice. Yeah, to- as you launch, if you look to the left, which would be south, it was like out of like a fairy tale. It looked really nice. Like, yeah. oh, this will be a nice fishing day. Yeah. Look to your right, and it's like, okay, all right, the storms are coming. Yeah, it's like the perfect storm with George Clinton. And it's like slowly <laughs> coming in. Dark. And I'm like, dark. You can see a wall. Right. I mean, yeah, and I'm uh, like, should we be doing this? And he's like, yeah, it's just rain. I'm like, okay. So we launched the boat. We did we even start fishing or did we just no we start, well because on that pool uh, pretty much all the good spots all the spots really in general like there's a couple to the south but pretty much all of them are north yeah but I thought we were gonna go south because you know sunshine and yeah. blue skies and I just and, wanted fish I and he wanted fish and I'm like yeah but it's nice to the left nope we went to the right we went towards this wall of blackness yeah. And then I started to hyperventilate because I'm like, we're going to hit something. We can't see if anything's coming out because then all of a sudden we see a boat come out of there. And I'm like, we're going, I don't even know how fast, too fast for my liking. Yeah, we're probably going like 60. Not yeah, super, no thank super you. Fast, but not slow. Did I like duck down at that point? I think you did. It, it literally, like it legitimately looked like a wall. Like actually. Like the rains and the wind And then it started pelting so us. And no, thank and you could you. feel the temp drop like legitimately yep. fifteen degrees. <laughs> yep, like, you could. Just, and then I'm like, no, we're gonna hit something. This is awful. And I'm like, but all the spots are up here. And I'm like, I don't care about. Like, we the have spots. rain gear in the boat. We'll be fine. <laughs> I'm like, well, we're gonna die. So, and then we ended up turning around. So I turned her around, and then we didn't catch any fish, but we didn't die. We didn't die. We caught no fish. We're alive to tell the story. What do you think would have happened if we would have went through the wall into the great unknown? We probably would have smoked them. We would have caught good up there. Yeah, ten four pound small jobs. Yeah. I just want you to know that I'm I'm okay not doing you that. You choose right life. Now. Yes. I choose life. <laughs> I choose life. Yeah. Um one time with my dad at Sugar Camp, I have to I think that's it in Eagle River. Um this is a very short lame story, but we're Perfect. um in my grandpa's boat and it had like the motor on the back, what do you call that? The the, the, the tilling motor. Tilling mo- yeah, yeah, yeah. Outboard with a hand tiller. I think that's what it was. Yeah. Um those are fun. My my dad's driving it. We're coming back in. We're like, I don't know, 60 feet from the dock. And all of a sudden, this is the only time I ever heard my dad cuss my entire life. (laughs) He goes, oh, S-H-I-T. Yeah, it's okay. (laughs) And I just sound weird when I cuss. But anyway. Like uh, Mel Gibson in 6th, or what is that movie? Signs. Yeah. He's like, you got to cuss. And he's like, you're going to get an ass whooping. (laughs) And he goes, I cussed. He's like, yeah, I heard. (sighs) So we're, we're. Going in, all of a sudden he cusses. All of a sudden, the motor he fell off. Oh yeah, that's into right. the, the water. Off the transom, just rolled out on yeah. my grandpa's boat. 
And so my dad is feeling all of these things. So his arm, he's like trying to hold it. And it trying was, to hold an outboard. Yeah. That sounds fun. And yeah. trying to like get it. Again. And then like I. Was it still connected? Like it had to be, right? Like yeah. The controls and stuff. Yeah. By the fuel but then I like, I think I grabbed an oar and I tried to row. I was Don't like worry, eight Dad. years old. I was like eight. <laughs> and so I was here. like yeah. three feet tall. And then I see my brothers on the dock and I'm like, Adam, John, like I'm waving to them. And Adam is pacing back and forth. And John takes off his shirt and he jumps in the water and swims to us. And then somehow we got it back. I don't really remember, but That's yeah. Crazy. That is wild. So you did get the motor back. I think. I don't, I don't know. You remember? I mean, I can see those old <laughs> yeah. uh, hand tiller where it's like that wood piece of plywood on the mm-hmm. transom. I and feel then like the, that's what it was. I don't think he was look like, like, like little vice grip, like the little wing nut. You oh, know, yeah. Just hand screw yeah. down as tight as you can get. Yeah, like a, like a. Like a C clamp, like yeah, it's just like a C clamp, yeah, like a C clamp, like yeah. four bolts as hard as you yeah. can, and if yeah, I mean if you're that's the thing, like when you people don't realize this, man, but when you're working on a boat or whatever, as you drive around, everything vibrates, everything jostles, everything mm. can get loose, Loosens everything. Up, yeah, I mean you gotta be like boat maintenance, man. It's I mean it's just so important. Um, on our old boat, the one that we tried to drive into the the death zone. Uh, well, I tried to, she wasn't having it, which was most certainly the, the wiser choice. Um, but the place that we, we repowered it, uh, it came with a 90, uh, 98, wasn't a 98, uh, Mercury 225, I think. And then we got a 2015 250 Pro XS put on for an absolute steal. Like when I think about that now, still like seven Have you grand. Seen the prices of them? Oh, like, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. Like it was seven grand yeah. installed. Yeah, uh, and it had, I think 300 hours on it. Uh, Everything was perfect. You're like, welcome, by the way, for that one. Yeah, yeah, you threw that one out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was. And now I bet you, I bet you couldn't get that for twelve now. No, I mean honestly, it's crazy the prices. Anyway, the place we went to in Missouri to have it swapped out, the people there were the coolest. Like so just cool. so friendly. They had they had a ton of. Oh, they were so dope. Super. I'm really into vintage fishing stuff. Old school fishing hats. I have a whole bunch of like '90s, uh, like ugly sort of gaudy printed fishing shirts. I just think that stuff is so rad. Like it's really like even in our garage in our studio, I have a bunch of old stuff hanging up old lures and I think that stuff's rad, but they had at this um, Marine place, they had a bunch of old neon mercury signs and like just the coolest vintagey stuff. Anyway, the guy was telling us about a feller who was running down the river. I think he had a bass cat. I'm pretty sure. And the Missouri river where they were, apparently it's just an absolute motor murderer. Like, they just talk about how bad it is to run that area. Rocks, stumps, like, just, it just sounds awful. Like, it sounds like what um, Brian from Giltech was talking about up on the Menominee River, like, where it just goes from navigatable, navigable, to not, like, instantly. Anyway, he was talking to us about this dude with a brand new bass cat, and he was running a brand new 250 Pro XS, like the four-stroker, and uh, hit some kind of giant rock, and the entire boat, uh, the entire motor ended up on the back deck. That's terrifying. Yeah, it's oh absolutely gosh. not safe. That's, I mean, that's bananas. Yeah, there were a bunch of videos of that. Uh, our pictures of it uh, just happened not too long ago. A guy, and there's like, you can see like blood like on the back deck. Like Ooh, like it got somebody? Yeah, like it, it <sighs> hit somebody. So there was a, there, it, I think it happened, it happened twice. So once, like within the last few months, uh, once the boat or the motor landed up on the back deck, but it didn't do anything. Gosh. So people started talking about this product called the leash. I don't know yeah, if you've seen that. Yeah, that's, that's what not. this dude so, was talking about too. Yeah. yeah so like so, basically if it pops up, it holds it to the back yep, of the transom, so then, even if it breaks off, but it can't get up on the deck. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so probably, probably a, not even a month later, I think more pictures like came up of like somebody who had just happened to, and, the, and you can see like <gasps> dried blood on the oh, side scary. of the seat. So like the motor, you know, the probably, prop oh my actually, gosh. yeah, the prop actually spun and, and got a hold of somebody. Yeah. So Yikes, that's, dude. That's, that's terrifying. Crazy situation. Yeah. yeah. And so he said that that guy, even though it was a new boat, he never did any like checking of bolts, lugs, whatever, in terms of like the, um, jack plate, transom, all that, whatever. And obviously him hitting a rock didn't help, but he said a couple of the bolts, uh, were actually a little loose, and so we think that's what allowed it to move enough when you hit the rock All to right. pop it up on the back deck. So PSA, if you have a boat, dude, 
check your bolts. Yes. I mean, honestly, look mm-hmm. look at look at the bolts on the trolling motor. You don't be running down the river at sixty miles an hour and have the trolling motor fly off. Um, check your check your transom. Check your talons or power poles. Um, make sure your axles are are properly greased up on your wheels. Like you don't want to be one of those dudes who looks like you're trying to return the ring to the mountains in Mordor, the Mount Doom or whatever from Lord of the Rings because it burns up and turns burning red. I mean, like yeah. stuff's no joke, dude. And like all the stuff that you so easily take for granted. Make sure you have. You know, like I need to get a new tire on the spare for the for our boat trailer because it has a hole in it. Like, just be smart. Yeah, be yeah, smart. I had, to, I had to replace a hub last year. You yeah. know, for probably I would say you know essentially the same reason. Not not really paying attention to yep. the to the grease in the hubs and the the trailer I have is like a hybrid grease that it requires. So it's kind of a an odd you know sort of situation. But uh, yeah, I pulled up to the to the lake north of town there, uh, Lost Grove. And get out, and there's just grease, and it's all just smoking. Yeah, everywhere. it's like so. Yeah, on the yeah, you back you know, your boat, and it goes twenty. Yeah, on the twenty, like cool the twenty minute drive to the lake, it 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 went went south. But yeah, we fished anyways, and then drove home on it. So. Well, you're there. I'd fish too, yeah. but yeah, I mean, it's just it's yeah, it's just it's just one of those things where you think maybe not necessarily cocky, but like it's not going to happen to me. Yeah. But it can in a heartbeat. Sure. Like it's just not worth messing around. Yeah. Take the extra hour one Saturday and yep, grease exactly. up your hubs, make sure your axles are straight, yeah, I had check my, your lights, like all that little stuff, just especially now, like here in Wisconsin, for you back in Iowa, we're not really fishing yet. We're close, but we're not yeah. there yet. Like, dude, do the maintenance now while you can. Yep, and then even sure. on top of safety, just like, you know, make sure your lower unit's got, got lube in it. Like, you want to burn that up. Take you care of your stuff. Yeah, take care of your stuff. Take care of yourself. Be smart, especially like you and me, Nate. We got families. Bring Lola and the kids out on the water. We got family. We don't want... I don't want something happening while yeah. you got kids with you and yeah, whatever. That's the like, worst. yeah, just be smart. Use a little bit of foresight. So, here's a quick story for me. When I was, I believe, I was uh, 14. I love this story. I think I was 14. <laughs> you already know where I'm going with this. I yes. Okay, so um, if you listened to our episode about kind of getting to know each other, interviewing each other, all that, um, you heard me say something how. My kid year every year revolved around going to Hayward, Wisconsin, and. Somewhere along the line, we used to go to um, Round Lake, and then we changed um, due to the resort we went to being bought out and whatever. We started going to a place called Deer Grove on Upper Eau Claire Lake, which is just awesome. It's not the easiest lake to fish because it's just gin clear. I mean, it is crystal, crystal clear water, which can make it fun. But it can also make it difficult because the fish know what you're up to. They can see what you're doing. So you got to be on your presentation game. And at this point, I was finally old enough to where I could run the boat myself. And by the boat, I mean um, like a 14-foot Lund like resorter, like a deep V aluminum boat with like an Evinrude 9-9 hand tiller on the back where when you had her wide open, you were going seven, eight miles an hour you know there's no fish finders there's no talons there's no rod lockers there's no i have my tackle box and a battery in the back to start the motor and like the old metal gas can where you got to pump the bulb before you can pull start the motor um no trolling motor um uh anchors like actual rope anchors you know what i'm saying this this is pretty whatever but at the same time like i'm 14 i'm on the water you know, so my family is sleeping in and I'm like, you guys are idiots. I'm out of here. So super early in the morning, one morning, I remember going after some, uh, uh, muscalunge and, uh, I went to the spot. It was basically on the uh, far end, which this lake is not huge, huge, but it's pretty big. And again, it's much, much bigger when you can only go less than 10 miles an hour. You know, when you're going that slow, you're not getting from one corner to the other pretty quick. Like it takes a while. And so there's this weed bed on this island bay that came off these rocks and I knew that there had to be fish there because of the um, the sun heating up rocks early morning. I, I figured, you know, it was kind of early in the summer. I figured that'd be a little bit warmer um, and I wanted to go there and try and catch some some big fish. So I go out there super, super early in the morning and I ended up catching a few fish. I caught, I caught a, a muskie. I caught some good pike that I brought back to eat and... Um, I'm like all pumped up, like let's go. You know, I'm I'm all by myself. I'm anchored down. I'm like I'm the I'm the man, and just, the, just doing it. Yeah, I'm yeah. thinking to myself, like, dude, I'm very good at this. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm young and I'm catching fish and whatever. And the one thing I remember now too, looking back on it, is there was no other boats on the lake, which is weird for a lake that's known for being pretty good right. fishing early in the morning, musky fishing. Um, 
now that I look back on it, I was kind of like, wait, why is there no other boats around? You know, whatever. So I catch one really good fish, release it back into the water. I'm pumped up. I'm jacked up. I'm excited. And then I turn around. And as I turn around, there is the worst legitimately, even to this day and age, and I'm 41 years old. So this is many, many years ago. I've had many days to see storms. This is the worst looking storm I've ever seen. Like where it's just, I mean, even worse than the one that me and Lola almost drove into on pool 14. I turn around and it is an absolute black wall of death coming at me. And I don't know anything. I don't know anything about what to do as a 14 year old in like a 14 foot boat with like a nine, nine hand tiller on the back. I don't, I don't know what to do. So the only thing I can think of is I better get back to the resort, which is on the... Because that's your safe place. Yeah, that's where everybody is, which is on the far opposite end of the lake again. Going into the storm? Going or into going the storm. going away from it? No, going in straight straight oh, at it. The okay. storm is coming from where I came from, and it's moving at me quick. Like, you know those storm clouds where sometimes you look up and you can literally see yeah, them moving? Watch them move, yeah. Just flowing. It was like that. It was... I mean, it was pitch black and again towards the island towards the little cove where I was catching those fish was just beautiful it was just beautiful so I turn back around and I, I pull up my anchors by hand get them in the boat put my rods down uh, on like the little aluminum bench seats you know and, like there's no seats it's just those bench cross sections and uh, I start heading towards the resort I'm not exaggerating when I say I was wide open uh, for less than a minute when it just hurricane status i'm talking about full-blown wind full-blown like hard big heavy drops of rain i was probably wearing like a hoodie and jeans i didn't have any rain gear i didn't have glasses to kind of keep my eyes from getting pelted with with hard raindrops and uh so i start heading back towards whatever and then the wind starts kicking up waves i'm talking like giant rolling white caps um they're not really going over the bow because you know it's a deep v boat so you know i mean it wasn't like a bass boat or like a tri hole or what i mean i'm going through them but what's happening is they're so tall and i'm going straight into them because i have no earthly idea what i'm doing i'm getting the entire boat out of the water on every wave the whole thing every <laughs> like over and over and over my rods are almost (laughs) bouncing out of the boat because there's like you know like a what five six inch up over distance up over from the seat to like the kind of the gunnel to like have them fall out of the boat so i remember at one point as i'm heading back um one of the rods almost went out as i'd like stop the motor like let go of the tiller grab the rod trying like stuff it under the seat like it's kind of sticking up out of the boat at this point and then right back on it we gotta get back and i'm i'm crying i'm full-blown crying at this point i'm like 14 years old like i'm thinking i'm a grown man you know what i'm saying i'm crying heading back across the lake and it took forever like forever and i i'm not exaggerating when i say this who knows but in my head i was going to die Water started like gathering in the bottom of the boat, like little bit by little bit. So oh. I'm thinking the boat's gonna sink. Right. There's oh no, there ain't no such thing as a bilge pump in this boat. You know what I'm saying? A bilge pump is a is a milk jug with the bottom cut off, so you can hand scoop it out Old of there. Coffee cans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the there's there's, there's no bilge. <laughs> anyway, so I finally make it back to the resort and I pull into the dock, just fried. Like my brain is fried. I'm crying. I, I moor it off. You know, I use the rope and tie it off to the cleats. And my dad comes out and he's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, there's a storm, and then I caught a muskie, and I got a pike, and then I got a couple good pike in the boat, and then I came, <laughs> and I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm just shook, you know Aww. what I'm saying? And he's like, he's like, why didn't you just pull over? I'm like, why didn't you tell me to pull over? I didn't know what to do if a storm came, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, all I knew is I wanted to catch fish, and I almost died, and so he told me, and my grandpa told me, you know, if that happens in the future, just nose into the near shoreline and just wait it out. Whatever you got to do, get up off the get up off the water and just wait it out. Usually those storms will blow through pretty quick, and that one's probably gone in you know a half hour. But for that half hour that I chose to run across the lake, um, there's lightning cracking all over, and I mean it was just horrifying. As bad as Cliff Perch's story? No. Did I think I was going to die? Yes. The more I think about my story with my dad and the motor, I'm wondering if he was driving like. Like steering it yeah. with a steering wheel. And then we and then, felt it or heard it. And yeah. then he cussed. And I was like, oh my gosh. And then yeah. he went back and grabbed it. I can't remember. Yeah. But either way, the motor fell off. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, when it comes, it's funny, right? Like as we're talking about being prepared and being smart about how you do maintenance and whatever. If there's a fight 
between us and Mother Nature, she wins 10 times out of 10. Oh, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't win that fight. Yeah. You just don't. And you hear stories all the time, sadly, of people getting drowned in the river or um, hitting a sandbar and falling out of the boat and knocking themselves out and whatever. Like, just be smart out there. You know, like, just be safe. Be smart out there. Um, I think we'll wrap it up on that. You know, this is kind of a, not a negative podcast, but it's just sort of a real life deal that I would say, end it by be smart. Use your brain. Don't don't push it, dude. Don't ever, like don't ever, if you're running wide open in your boat, even if it's a lake you know or a river you know, don't ever go running without yeah. your without your vest as on. As much yeah. as we as much as we love those little green fish, it ain't worth ain't worth risking it. No. For sure. Throw your life vest on. If it's a PFD, you know, make sure that it's functional and make sure right. that you have like the the updated little CO two cylinder in it that it, it'll actually go off. If it's a regular life vest, make sure it's strapped. Don't do you no type of good if you don't have it buckled and you fall in the water and it comes off. Um, yeah, just be, just be, just be not stupid. And then, and and then, wear your kill switch. Yeah, always yes. clip your kill switch on, man. Wear your kill switch. Yeah, you hear stories about that. You hear stories about that. There was a who was it? I think it was um, Dean Rojas, wasn't that? Or no, maybe it was uh, what's his face, Skeet Reese, who like basically rescued a guy. Yeah, yeah, it was Skeet. Yeah, a dude, uh, a dude got tossed from his just boat, running in circles, and just yeah. running in circles because he didn't have the kill switch engaged, like on his on his life vest or whatever. So when he fell out of the boat, the boat stayed on. Oh my gosh! And it was turned. So as he's sitting in the water, the boat is circling around him, getting closer and closer to him <gasps> because he didn't have his kill switch on his vest, so it didn't turn the motor off. So Skeet, during a tournament, you know, again, point, point, point. Props to Skeet for being a, a good dude. Went over there, and I think he had a, a marshal or something. They got close to the boat, and the marshal jumped on the boat, turned the boat off, and then Skeet went over to the guy and got the guy out of the water. Wow. That could have been so much worse. Because yeah, if it kept sure. on circling, what are you going to do? I mean, dive down as deep as you can dive and then try and swim away from it. But if it's right. getting closer and closer and closer and that prop's going, you're not going to push it away. I mean, it's it's no joke out there. So be smart, be safe. Again, humongous respect to uh, Cliff Perch for putting himself in a situation that wasn't the best, but doing the right thing, trying to do the right thing. Um, positivity is worth the effort. We'll catch you guys on the next one. And uh, TacklingTacos.com, Working Class Bowhunter, all the things. Appreciate y'all. Peace. Bye. succeed you want to fish you want to be one of the greatest tune in to west marines life on the water presented by costa custom boats every saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m eastern on waypoint tv